What happens when your worst fear becomes your reality? Hi, I'm Brent Cassidy. Welcome to Nightmare Success In and Out Podcast, where we explore how to overcome your fears and nightmares to set yourself free. We're going to be exploring this topic with guys I was in Leavenworth with and others who served time at other prisons. We're going to be talking about life before prison, life in prison, and life out of prison. These stories can be inspiring, sometimes sad. There's some humor, but hopefully you can come away with a nugget of something that'll help you knock down some of the prisons you've built up in your own mind. All right, folks, here we go. I am really excited about my guest today because it came, Dion came to me from the guy that I work for, Jose Ponce, which Jose Ponce has been excellent to me uh, throughout everything that I've been through. So this is, this is cool that I'm now getting a guest that Jose ran into, um, and his story, Dion's story is, is Dion, do you say your name is Subasis? Is that? Subasis, yeah. Subasis. Dionysus Subasis. I'm Dionysus Subasis. Is that Greek? Yes, I'm Greek. Okay. But I, go, I, I go by Dion for short because it seems like a lot of people have a hard time saying Yeah, I've, I'm going with Dion. I'm good at, I'm good at Dion. So Dion's story is, is, is uh, it's interesting from a lot of different angles because he was a guy that was kind of in and out of trouble. Um, he gets a 30-year sentence that has all these enhancements on it, and the enhancements don't allow parole. You know, you fast forward into this story, and there's some people that go and talk to the governor and say, hey, this isn't right. There's a law passed. They're not making it retroactive. These guys aren't getting out. One of the ladies that was at this meeting reads about Dion's story by happenstance the night before and brings up his name in this meeting. Governor Parsons uh, then commutes and pardons some people after this meeting, but they aren't the people that they talked about at that meeting. And then a few months later, uh, Dion gets the good news that he is one of those that has been put in line to be given opportunity for parole and he's got a hearing and that's why Dion's sitting with me here today. Dion, welcome in, my man. Thank you very much, Brent. I appreciate it. So good to have you here. And we we've spent some time talking before this and and uh it's an incredible story and one that, you know, it <laughs> what you've gone through and the transformation that you made, Dion, and then how you and and we're going to go into all this, but uh, I, I guess the word's inspiring because you could have curled up in a corner and in a fetal position and given up. You'd still be in prison if you'd given up, by the way, and your life would have been exactly as it was when you came in, just not any good and and no hope. Absolutely. So, Dion, walk me back a little bit. What what um, Where'd you grow up? What was your family like? Man, it's crazy because uh, I was born in Virginia. Okay. My dad was a horse jockey. My mom trained horses, so we kind of lived up and down the East Coast when I was young. Ended up in Chicago for a while and um, literally been everywhere, man, believe it or not. It's crazy. Virginia's a little ways away from here. Yeah, I don't don't really remember it. But your dad was a horse jockey. Yeah, he was. Did did you ever have anything to do with horses? Yeah, I rode horses when I was yeah. Like, yeah I haven't rode a horse. <laughs> I couldn't tell you when. But, um, yeah, I ended up in, um, you know, we lived in Oklahoma for a while, and then we ended up uh, in, 
in Missouri and uh, in LaGrange, Missouri, where my grandparents moved from Chicago, Illinois to there and um, kind of stayed in there for, you know, about five years or so. And um, my mom had left, you know, my real dad and it was with my stepdad who basically raised me from that time on, who was probably one of the best men I've ever met in my entire life. So, so then as you were growing up as a kid, it was everything pretty normal. Did you feel like, I don't know any different, but this feels pretty normal? Yeah, I'd say I had a pretty normal life. Yeah? For sure, yeah. So as you got, a, part. As you got a little bit older, yeah. got into high school, what was high school like? High school was cool too, man. Um, I enjoyed high school. Uh, you know, that's kind of around the time where you start, a little bit before then around 14, you start, you know, experiencing, you know, uh the streets and, and different people. And, you know, you kind of start trying to be cool, being cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and sampling, you know, weed and drinking and doing things like that. And, um, you know, that's kind of where it kind of started for me. And, uh, I kind of got involved with the wrong crowd and, uh, you know, it was a, it was, it was a slow process and, uh, it kind of ended up with me being involved with some gang activity and, um, you know, drugs and, and, you know, trying to live that fast paced life, you know, that, that you romanticize in the movies and yeah. things like that. You know, you see all these movies and then you start to romanticize and be like, Oh man, this is something I want to do. Yeah. You know, the you, money, because the you feel like that's part of yeah. being a part of something. Absolutely. Yeah. Did, did it feel like Dion, when you were getting involved in that did it feel like i'm stepping outside i'm with the wrong people i'm doing the wrong thing but it's exciting and fun adventuresome or did it just feel like it wasn't that different no it was definitely adventurous <laughs> it, was, yeah, it was definitely different yeah you you once you get set on that wrong path it's just a it's it, it's a it's a spiral downhill you know and then so many different things happened in my life you know like my father had passed away and um i dropped out of school in like 10th grade mm. um i mean there are so many negative things that happened in my life that yeah. just give you another reason to say or you know you feel like it gives you a reason especially when you're young to say you know what i'm just gonna do doesn't this matter. and it just doesn't matter anymore you know and and that's where you well, a lot of people say too, when you drop out uh, of school, the people that are in school are, are getting where they're wanting to get to. And the people that have dropped out are getting with people who probably aren't doing good things. Absolutely. So it's easier to get in trouble when you've dropped out of school, even if you're trying to do right. Absolutely. So when did, did you start getting into trouble? Is that? Oh yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. You know, it's crazy because uh, I had some friends of mine that had been to prison I'm like, man, you've been to prison? I was like, man, I need some street cred, man. Uh -huh. Go to prison. I said, like, who thinks they want to go to prison? Right. You know, it's crazy. And, um, you know, I just started getting in trouble. And, you know, next thing you know, I landed in prison. And, um, you know. Well, how old uh, would you have been, Dion? I was 19 years old when yeah. I first went to prison. What was that experience like for you heading in to, you know, that 19-year-old kid now looking back on it? Uh, what was going through that 19-year-old kid standing and looking at prison? Uh, if you're going to be real with yourself, you know, you're 19 years old, you get to prison, you got these, as soon as you're coming down this hill and you see this huge prison with all these barbed wire fences and electric fences, man, you get in there, it's got this huge door that clings shut and you've got hundreds of guys standing naked in the room and it's terrifying. You're like, man, what did I get myself what into? I do? And you're like, man, I, I, you know, this is just, it's horrible. It's a horrible situation. And you're like, man, I, how did I get myself into this? 
And, um, and then it's just a thought process from there on. And how'd you do your first stint there in prison as a young kid? Did you, did you find people that you knew? Uh, did you, did you have, get into prison jobs? I mean, what, what was that first stint like? Well, when you get to prison, everybody's got their on you. So like, all right, this guy's cool. He's not cool. They, yeah. they, they, they watch the way you walk, the way you talk, how you move, uh, what you look like. And, um, and then people decide whether they like you or not. Mm-hmm. You know? And then people want to take you under their wing. And so you learn things, you know, and a lot of times it's not for the good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So a lot of these older guys don't really want to, you know, they want to teach you the bad things, bad things, things that you can get away with, you know? <laughs> right. So it really, you know, one thing that I learned over my large incarceration is that, you know, a lot of people don't really change unless they do double digits or more, you know, just from my experience, mm-hmm. I say, if you go in for six months or a year or whatever, you go in there, you just get to hang with your homies mm-hmm. or whatever. And then, you know, most people are in there smoking weed or doing drugs and they get back out and they're like, you know what? It's not that bad in there. And you they know? haven't changed that much while they were in no, anyway. And they didn't. No. Right. So it's, a, it's a revolving door. They get out and they go back in. I was one of those people who, who just went in and out. How, what was it? How long do you stay in there the first time? 19 year old. I would say, probably like a year something like that yeah. yeah and then you know you get out and you're on parole and then you're like man i'm not gonna listen to what parole officer says yeah. you know i'm gonna keep smoking weed and i'm gonna keep dropping dirty and keep you know doing this kind of stuff and nobody's gonna tell me what to do you yeah. know and that's how you think that's your yeah that's your thought process and it's crazy so are you at this time, when you're getting out, do you have a relationship with a girlfriend? Uh, is what's what's your what's your personal life like when you return back? Yeah, I had a um, you know when I was young is what yeah. you're asking, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I had a girlfriend at the time, and um, you know when you go to prison, your girlfriends don't really stick around right. and do their own thing. So you get back out, you reconnect and then you get back on the same path you was on before. And it's like I said, it's a revolving door. And if nothing changes, nothing changes, man. And, um, you know, I just had that young man mentality and I was, every time I got out, I just started selling drugs again. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's fast, easy money. And who wants to work when you got a way to make money, just hand over fist. So, so yeah. life was good. I mean, as far as, as far as the way things were going for you, you know, getting out, you got, uh, into the drug world and that's, that's a, you know, that is an adventuresome world and, and being young and having money is for a lot of people, the time of their life. Yeah. So walk me through Dion when your nightmare happened. Well, you know, um. I was saying the late nineties and the early two thousands when I really started trafficking drugs largely. I just kept making more and more money and I just got wiser and wiser at it. And then um in two thousand and four, I was in a hotel room in St. Charles and I was I had like thirteen ounces of methamphetamine. I went where the money was at, you know. Um and uh I told this girl who I was with, I said, Hey, you know, I said get this hotel room for another night because we were going living out and uh, we were moving into this house in Florissant. And um, so she called down to the front desk and, and and said, hey, you know, we do need this room for another night. And they're like, you can't have it. You can get the one down down the hall. So uh, I bagged all my stuff up and went down to the room down the hall. And I guess I'd left stuff, you know, in the trash can or whatever, you know, baggies and stuff. And 
And that's when they um, came in there and the janitor saw it. And I guess he kind of, you know, had an idea what was going on. And they called the cops. And, you know, um, long story short, I ended up in jail. And as I was in jail, I just, uh, you know, I thought it's all or nothing, you know. And uh, I had an attorney. I had money, a lot of money saved up and stuff. And, you know, we got an attorney. And I really had no chance. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to take it to trial. Long story short, I took it to trial and lost, man. They gave me 30 years without the possibility of parole. That, that without the possibility of parole is like what they do with first degree murder in Missouri, right? Yes, it is. It's, it's, it's. So how does that, how did you, first of all, did you even know that that was a possibility to get the no possibility of parole? Yeah, they call it the WAP. And no, I, I, I didn't. It really wasn't explained to me like that. And, um, you know, who would ever think that the most nonviolent crime, right. which is drugs, right? You know, the spectrum is weird because you got you can get a life without, literally a life without, because it held ten to thirty or life for the same thing as if somebody gets for murder, and it didn't make any sense. No. So it didn't really, you know, hit me. And then once I really found out about it when I got to prison, I was like, man, what did I get myself into? What were you thinking that day when they said that? I can't imagine. Yeah, I was mad. I was mad at my lawyer. I was mad at everybody, man. And um, I just, uh, you know, I was like, what am I going to do? How is this going to work? Yeah. You know? And how, how old would you have been when they said you got 30 with no parole? I was like 28. Yeah. 29, something like it. it was in 2000. See, I got locked up in 04. I got sentenced in 05. And then I went straight to prison in 05. And um, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was terrifying. And you went to a max? Yeah, yeah, I did, yeah. I went to a, a Charleston prison in, um, in Missouri. It's down in the boot hill. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy. It was, a, it was a whole different experience than what I experienced before, you know. So everybody there has got life, life without, or large sentences. Yeah, they're not getting out anytime soon. No. So they're really living their life in there. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, how did you roll in there? How did you learn to strategize yourself into how am I going to live this? Yeah, you know, I, I just, it's crazy because, you know, I knew a lot of people already because I've been incarcerated many times and um, I'm a white guy with gold teeth and I get in there, you know, so as weird as that sounds, it kind of gives you some street cred. So people's like, oh, this guy's got to be cool, you mm -hmm. know, so, you know, you just connect with people and, um, and I didn't even communicate with anybody for two years on, you know, from the streets, which was crazy. And um, I had friends in there and they're like, hey, man, you know, I know you don't got anything. Let me give you some weed to sell or whatever, you know. So I'm in prison selling drugs and surviving and involved in the gang activity and things like that, you know, and just not really caring. You just kind of just fell into it. You just fell into which it. Which kind yeah. of probably felt more comfortable because it was maybe more what you were used to anyway on the outside. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So you have something that happens, and you know I was reading the article, Riverfront Times. Um, it's almost like you had that rock bottom moment where you basically have your your head in your hands, thinking, "Man, I could die in here." You know, is this how I want my life to live and be thought of as Dion? And something happens. We haven't really talked about how this all happened, but you you did a transformation of how your mindset was and what you were looking for for your future what what did happen Dion what happened was is I literally just woke up one morning man I got up and I sat in my chair and 
I was silly. He was gone. I just looked around. I was like, man, I don't even have a TV. I don't have anything. What's going on with me? Yeah. I was like, man, I kind of put my head in my hands and kind of just kind of really started crying. I was like, man, I'm going to die in prison. It just hit me all of a sudden, you know. And there was this guy who kept getting on me about God. He's like, man, you need to turn your life over to God. You need to turn your life over to God. And I was like, man, you know. And then that day I literally set my life to change. I said, this place offers every opportunity in the world for me to better myself. And I said, you know what? I'm going to die in prison. I know I am. There's no question about it. Mm. At that point in time, I never thought I was going to get out. I knew I was going to die in prison. I said, you know what? Today it starts. That's a deep thought. It is. It is, man. And I I was like, I'm going to die in prison, but I'm not going to die stupid. Man, this, I'm going to do everything I can to better myself. That day I turned my life over to God. Um, I set out to better myself. I took every class I could, did everything I could, went to college. You know, I got a degree in theology, started college again. Um, I became a staff barber for 14 years. I set out to be the best. I could be at everything I could. I got 4,137 hours of on-the-job training and woodworking at a, 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 in prison. It's called Missouri Vocational Enterprises. And um, I just started better myself in every single way and started impacting people in a positive way. And uh, people started seeing it. And then I got involved in this program that was called um, the Global Leadership Summit. And uh, it teaches you how to be a leader in it. it's a Christian based thing and it's broadcast live over a hundred different countries, a hundred different languages. It's amazing. And, um, I mean, you just snapped into, into like everything that they had, you took advantage of. Yeah. Did as far as the people you were around, I guess because you went to do different things, you were around different people. Yeah. You know, you used to, I mean, you get, went to get a degree in theology. I guess you're around people who are focused and thinking I'm doing this, I'm going to better myself. But the thing that I find so interesting about this, Dion, is that you're still not thinking you're getting out for without parole. So you're just deciding to make yourself a better person in prison with not knowing what's going to be out there. Or if you're, you know, if you're going to serve this full 30, no parole, that none of that had changed yet. No, no. I knew I was going to die in there still, but I was like, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be a better person. It doesn't matter, man. I'm going to be in here and I'm going to start impacting people in a positive way. I want people to see that you can change. And, um, you know, stab, believe it or not, you know, I see other people in prison. You see a handful of people that really change. You're like, you know what? I see this guy. I recognize it. This guy is the real deal. Mm -hmm. You know, you just see it, you feel it. And, um, and you know, you're on that same path. Yeah. And that's something I wanted to do. I just wanted to, no matter what happened in life, even if I was in prison, I wanted to better myself and just be better for myself. You know, I want to learn well, how to. When you started doing these good things, you started feeling better about yourself, getting confidence about what was going on. Is that when you felt like you felt comfortable reaching out to your daughter, Bree? Yeah. You know, um, because at that time when you went in, she was eight years old. Um, there wasn't much of a relationship there from what I can tell. Right. And then you reach out. Uh, what was that like? Well, you know, actually, she'd reached out to me the first time. We communicated for about a year. And then, um, you know, she was like 14. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously 14-year-old girls, they go on their own little thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and then we didn't talk for a couple of years till she was 16. And, uh, you know, and that's when we reconnected again. And that's when our relationship pretty much was solid from that point on. And uh, we just talked a lot at first you know and then it was kind of on and off so off and on you know that i just can't imagine how good that would have felt to you in prison to reconnect and have that relationship that you want to have 
the communication you want to have with your daughter, uh, knowing that she's on the outside, you're on the inside, but you have made this connection now. So you, in, you know, putting things together in her life, you're educating yourself. You've got a good prison job. You're hanging around people that are trying to make themselves better. And now you've reconnected with your daughter, Bree. Um, I guess the, the, the next step of this whole thing is, is kind of crazy by happenstance. Can you lead us through Dion, how this all transpired? Cause if the time that this happened with the governor, how long had you been in prison? I would say I was in prison about 16 years at the time. 16 years? 16 years, yeah. It's a good amount of time. Oh, yeah. It's a lifetime, man. Yeah. It's a lifetime, yeah. And uh, by that time, I transferred from a maximum security prison to a medium security prison. And uh, they had revised the statute to the drug trafficking law and made it parolable. But they didn't run it retroactive. However, there was this guy. Which is crazy when you think about it. Oh, yeah. Usually that stuff is automatic. Yeah. You know what I mean? It automatically runs. And this went to the Missouri Supreme Court, and they said, no. Yeah. No, not retroactive. These these guys got wrapped up in this deal. It's a really bad deal. That's why they changed the law. Now we're going to keep that the same for them. You know, the hard part for me was it gave me a lot of hope because there was a guy named Demetrius Woods. And Demetrius Woods, he filed a declaratory judgment with the local court. And this judge agreed with him that it does run retroactive and granted him a parole hearing. The board seen him. They released him. He got out. And, um, and then, you know, the, 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 um, the, you know, Missouri state's attorney, yeah. he attorney filed general. an appeal. Yeah. The attorney yeah. general filed an appeal and, uh, and then it, he had to fight it went all the way to the Western court of appeals. And I'm thinking as soon as it goes here, I'm out, I'm yeah. walking out the door cause they're going to agree. Yeah. I got there and it got shot down two to one. I was like, Oh my God. I was like, I still got hope. It's going to yeah. go to the Supreme court. And when it got to the Supreme court, it got shot down, you know, six to one. And then I just lost all hope. And I was like, man, you know, I really am going to die in here. Nothing's going to change, you know? And, um, you know, you lose hope and it's, it's terrifying, you know, because once you get that hope, mm-hmm. you know, like hope kind of creates blindness mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, so, you know, you, you, you know, you think you're going to get out. And then when this rug is swept out from underneath you, it's, it's, it's pretty uh, dramatic. Well, let's talk about hope a little bit because, um, and you and I were having this discussion beforehand. I think, um, you know, I was saying Romo, one of the guys that was on this podcast uh, a while back, was talking about don't ever take hope away from a prisoner because that might be all they have. But I also think there's a thing about hope, and I think this is a good point that you make, Dion, is that hope can also make you lazy that if you just think you can just hope and not take action yeah. towards what you're trying to get to, just hoping is not going to do a lot for you. You've got to hope and then take the steps to be where you want to be. And hopefully you fall into the opportunity that is what you want and that sets you free. But just hoping, there's a lot of people who just hope, but that doesn't mean it's just going to magically happen. Hoping with action is the thing that really can help you get to where you want to be. Well, the thing is, man, you have to have the ability yeah. To create a vision for the future. Right. And then you have to have the ability to create the steps needed to reach that vision. And a lot of people don't. That is I mean? such to say that again. I said, <laughs> That's such a big tip for I life. Said, I said, you have to have the ability to create a vision for the future. And then you need the ability to create the steps the needed steps. to reach that vision. Yes. And you know, the first 
step one is you got to believe it's possible. And step two, you know, you just can't be afraid. Don't let what you fear have mastery over you. You know, sometimes, you know, and there's this quote that says, you know, if you never try, you miss the mark 100% of the time, you know, so, um, you know, my life's all about action. Well, fear can be the warden of your freedom because, you know, that is the thing. You know, we were talking about this, Dion, nightmare success. Everybody says, those two words don't belong together. <laughs> they actually are together all the way through your life because yes. anything you want is on the other side of that fear, right? So you have to. Anything that's unknown is fearful, yes. even if it's good, even if it's good fear. Uh, I mean, even if it's a good unknown. So the nightmare part of it is stepping into and around over under whatever that unknown is. And your success is setting yourself free that you've given yourself the confidence to step through that. And what you're saying is so, so good just for daily living, daily living, because you can accomplish so much if you step. Yeah. You know, the thing you get confidence too, right? Absolutely. (laughs) You know, you do, you know, um, you know, challenges are a part of a well-valued change. You know what I mean? So we're all going to face challenges in life and, uh, but you got to go into them head first. You know, you can't, you just can't be afraid and you can't fear rejection. It don't matter if you're going into a job or relationship or whatever. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to go for what you want. You know what I mean? People are so afraid of rejection. And I think that, uh, being afraid, I don't, here's the thing I think about being afraid. I don't know that you know what that is, but you got that feeling in your stomach. And, you know, like I was on that panel last week and that nervousness that you feel, but you feel excited too. So whatever that is, everybody has it. It's just, you have to step through it. There might be something that scares the crap out of you, but you know that you got to step through it. And whatever that is in your body, you grit it, you grit it, you make it happen. And that's the thing that gives you confidence. Yeah. I take a step. I feel a little bit better. Take a step. Wasn't nearly as bad as I thought. Take a third step, man, I'm going to make it. That's right, man. You got to be relentless and unwavering in what you want to be. And, you know, when I, I was blessed with a friend of mine, his name is Scott Harrison, who, who helped me, you know, in my release. You know, he, he did everything he could. He was a good friend for me, and he helped me with a place to stay when I got out with him and his wife. Gave me a job where I was making good money and everything else, you know. And um, so I had a lot of help along the way, but you know, it's all in your head and it's, and it's all a part of your thinking. So when this goes on with the governor and these people go and the high profile, high profile people going into the governor's office to, to speak on the behalf of people, your name comes up of by happenstance of, of what someone had read the night before. And I don't, I think it might've even been online or something with, uh, that she was reading before she was having the meeting. So your name comes up does this word get back to you, Dion? Do you find out about this or how, how do you find out about it? Yeah. W- what happened was my buddy, Scott, his friend was a prosecuting attorney and he asked his friend, Hey, who can I get to help Dion? Okay. And he said, Hey, get a hold of this lady. You know, she's, I, I, I call her a super lawyer, <laughs> and, um, but we couldn't afford her. We couldn't do anything like yeah. that. So my buddy Scott reached out to her. She never got back to him. Yeah. And then like one night on a Saturday night, she reached out to him like 3 a.m. in the morning. She's like, what do you know about Dion? You know, um, and he gave her all the information. She goes, she goes, I'm going to the uh, uh, governor Monday and I'll mention his name. Well, once that happened, I, I didn't know about that. Right. Um, so it gave me more hope. Yeah. But once she left the governor's office, she, she mentioned Scott again one time. And that was it. She's like, I did go to the governor's office. I Mentioned did not it. really, I did not really, she's like, I didn't really talk about him, but I gave him your name, Yeah, you know, which was enough for him to see my name. And then, 
you know, possibly, right. you know, go into that. You know, one thing I meant to ask you, Dion, when all this was going on, your dad had passed away. Is that right? He passed away in 94. Okay. So your mom's still in this world. And how did she deal with all this that happened to you? Um, my mom had ended up going to prison as well. Not with me. Yeah. Like a year or so after I was incarcerated. And, and my mom, she kind of started losing her mind. She, there's parts. Did of she get that, a long sentence? She got 10 years. Yeah. Oh there's, my gosh. There, there's things in there I didn't mention, you know, like my little brother committed suicide. There's so many different things, different aspects of that. So my mom was kind of, she was getting dementia. She was losing her mind. And, um, so she went to prison. We didn't have contact for like 10 years. And, um, you know, at around 2000, you know, 16 or 17, my mother and I reconnected in prison and, um, you know, we started talking then. So, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was a, That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it was, a, it was a difficult relationship because, you know, you had to handle my mom with kid gloves. How did that affect you with your brother's situation? Did that happen when you were in prison? No, no. See, once, once, once my dad, it, it, here's the crazy part I didn't tell you about is, you know, in, in, in 94, you know, my little brother had got arrested for um, a DWI and my dad went to bail him out of jail. My dad had a heart attack in the jailhouse and he died. Oh. My little brother thought, I, thought it was his fault, you know, and it's um, awful. Yeah. So he ended up committing suicide several months later. This, the story is just so, it's so crazy. You know, I didn't really get into that, but like I said, all those different things, man, give that would have rolled up though. I mean, you don't, you, you have all those things rolling, you know, your, your, your life experiences are up there. Yeah. 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 So, you know, you know, it, it, it all had a part to play in, in, in my sp- spiral, you know, downhill so but that i think that makes it even more incredible that you hit that rock bottom moment and said hey this is i'm stopping it right here this cycle stops here and i'm going to cycle back up yeah you you know the thing is man you can't force change upon somebody man change has to start within my change started within and uh i changed because i just i I wanted to here's the thing people say i'm gonna change for my daughter i'm gonna change for my dad my mom man i'm not changing for nobody i'm changing for myself because once i change myself then i can help them Mm -hmm. you know but until then it's got to be for yourself you know you're the most important person and then you can you can help them well and you along the way you you're trying to reach out in prison not just with this governor thing but you know you you reached out to people on the outside from the kim kardashian other people trying to sign get petitions breeze helping you to sign petitions so you're you're out there yeah Uh, you're not just sitting back thinking i i hope somebody helps me out you're out there pushing the envelope hoping that some of these things that you're doing can can affect the change that you want and then you get notified that this meeting that happened comes back to you. And then how do you get the notification that you're there, there, there is going to be a parole hearing? How does that come about to you? Well, the thing I forgot to mention also during that, you know, some several years before um, I'd found out I had another daughter. Her name's Dakota. And, um, you know, that gave me another reason to kind of keep going on. It gave me, you know, uh, did you guys connect? Yeah, we did. We connected and we, we wrote and, and talked on the phone on and off and we had an on and off relationship, you know, and uh, she was started to become a big part of my life and she gave me more hope as well. You That's know? awesome. So, but to get back to the question that you asked is, um, you know, I, you and I talked about this before. 
So once the petition came out and it was on the internet, this lady had reached out to us and her name was, you know, Melissa Seymour. And she had this company. I can't even remember the name of it at the time. Uh, and this was a few months before I got out. And this lady had reached out and said, hey, you know, I can help you get out of prison. I guarantee I can get you out. If you give me 2500 bucks, you know, I'm going to get you out. I'd already filed a clemency with the governor. And, um, and this lady, you know, at the time, little did I know, she was a scam artist. And uh, it's kind of like a Ponzi scheme, you know. She'd been in prison before, but I didn't know. And, um, you know. And they're all over the place. These prison consultants just, um, I mean, they go from prison to prison to prison with people who are desperate to give them money because they think that they're going to be able to do something for them. Yeah, she did. And she reached out and she, she suckered us. And, you know, everybody in prison at that time got the stimulus check, believe it or not, every inmate, uh, you know, so I had like $1,500 saved up and I sent her that money. My buddy Scott sent her a thousand dollars and, you know, this is during COVID. So, you know, uh, there was a thing she told me when I first talked to her on the phone, she says, man, she says, Dion, she goes, uh, sorry, I was at the hospital. I was with my husband. He's had cancer three times. I was like, Oh my God, my mom just passed away two years ago of cancer. And, um, you know, she's like, oh, you know, yeah, it's bad. And so she had me calling all these different people from L.A. to, to Georgia and everything else. And it just seemed strange to me, you know. But my buddy Scott's like, man, it's COVID. Don't worry about it. And then she reached out a couple weeks later. And she's like, sorry, I was MIA for a week. You know, she's like, Deanna, I got cancer. I was like, oh, my God, you got cancer? I said, like, you and your husband both got cancer? She's like, no, honey, he doesn't. I do. And I was like, I was like, man, something these, just didn't these, these dots don't connect. Yeah, <laughs> no, they don't connect. And immediately I was like, look, I got to call you back. I'll call my buddy Scott. And he's like, dude, you're tripping. So he called her up. And she's like, oh, honey, he just heard me wrong. Tell him to call me. And I called her. And she's like, you just misheard me. He has had cancer twice. I was like, man, it went from three times to zero to two. I was like, man, I want my money back. And then uh, long story short, man, her her site shut down. Every email was shut down. Every phone number You've was shut down. Had. Yeah, we'd been had. She took everything and ran. And come find out she'd been to prison like, you know, several times, you know, for fraud and everything else. So, you know, I lost hope again then too. Mm-hmm. And then my buddy Scott, man, he, he, he was on it. I mean, you know, he's a childhood friend of mine who I grew mm-hmm. up with. And we lost contact for, I mean, many, many years of my life. And he reached out to me in prison and found me. And um, he was a very good advocate for me and friend. And uh, I love to do with all my heart. And he literally um, started making phone calls. And this guy runs his own company, a concrete company. So he doesn't have a lot of time. So he's making all these phone calls. And he calls the lawyer of Demetrius Woods who got him out. And he talked to one of the attorneys there and they said, Hey, listen, man, don't, don't pay any more money for an attorney because you know, they're eventually within a year, you know, a lot of these guys are going to be out. Something's mm-hmm. going to happen. So it gave me more hope. And then I was in the gym one day and, um, sitting in the gym working out and my boss came to me and said, Hey man, you need to go back to the, uh, housing. And he's like, uh, the parole officer needs to see you. I'm thinking I've got a non-parolable sentence. There's no reason for me to go back and see a parole officer. It just seems <laughs> right. So since I get back there, I'm waiting, uh, a lobby man and she calls me in she's like hey and then she hands this little blue piece of paper and she says hey you know your prior release date for 12 29 2034 whatever it was has been uh canceled you're now eligible for parole you have a pro hearing on like march 18th and i was like what i just jumped up i was like are you serious <laughs> i was like man i thought to myself you know i've got 17 years in i'm walking out yeah. the door you know but there's still that little, I was like 98% sure I was going home, but there's still that 2%. You yeah. It's like, you still have the hearing. Yeah. They're like, but I'm thinking, you know, the pro board could say whatever they want to do. Yeah. They're like they might not want to let me go. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter the change I made. And I was like, and I kept thinking to myself, man, so this change wasn't for nothing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Maybe, you know, it will help, you know? Mm-hmm. So, 
you know, by the grace of God. Uh, I seen the pro board. It's funny because when I seen this, the, you know, they gave me this uh, yellow envelope that was sealed. The pro officer did. And, she go, and I looked at it and said, Dionysus Space hand delivered to Dionysus Basis, you know. Um, and then the pro officer's like, well, open it. She wanted to see what it was. It was <laughs> she will take a look at it. It's it. from the governor. So I opened it up, man. And it's it's my clemency in it. And it literally says on there, it says, you know, uh, partially due to my change. You know what I mean? And um, all the and things there, that you did while you were in I prison. While I was in prison. Man, know? how did that make you feel? Oh, man, it made me feel good. It was recognized. You know, and the governor doesn't just say, oh, well, you know, all these people want you out, so we're just going to let you out. You know, yeah. they investigate you. They talk to staff. They talk to, you know, family. But see, friends. that means something because the staff spoke for you. Yeah, they did, you know. And, and, and I remember seeing the warden. You know, at that time, I seen him walking down the walk. I was like, man, do you hear what happened? He goes, man, of course I knew what happened. He goes, I knew about two weeks before you did. I was like, oh, man. Yeah, I was like, you're good at keeping a secret, you know. And, yeah. um, you know, and it made me feel really good. And the thing is, is. And you've been giving him haircuts? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the funny thing is, 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 is you know, e- even people in prison, you know, they see me walking out of walk and everybody knew me. I've been incarcerated yeah. for a long time and people yeah. knew I changed. And, and, and the blessing was, is that people respected that they respected the person I was before and they respected the person I was now. And it made me feel good that people would yell at me on the walk. I'm like, man, yeah. you know, everybody call me Dago in prison. Like Dago, man, I, I heard, you know, and they're you know, happy for you. Yeah. And it, it just made me feel, feel and that's, really you know, th- th- that's something too. There's so many good guys in prison that, that, you know, um, want good things for the guys in prison. Yeah, they do. Uh, you know, you don't see that a lot projected out here because everybody's just assume that all these people are just bad people and they're all killing each other and stabbing each other and whatever. There's a lot of guys in there that are, that are for each other, wanting good things for each other, and, and um, you feel that. You do. Yeah, you do. You, you know, here's the thing. I, I've met guys in prison. One of them, his name's, his name's Vale, and he's one of my best friends. You know, he's in prison. He was a gang member. Uh, he's in there for murder and everything else. And, and I've met guys that's in there for murder, have killed people. And these are some of the best people I've ever met in my entire life. And I literally would trust them around my grandchildren. You know what I mean? There's people on the streets I wouldn't trust around my grandkids. These yeah. guys, I know for a fact they would protect my family with their life mm-hmm. you know and they've changed their lives and they are changed, incredible yeah. individuals you know and i don't see them as murderers i see them as you know this guy's a good guy and I, they're out now and, mm-hmm. and well one of a few of them are you know like my friend who i told you about jim mm-hmm. and uh, another buddy of mine named curry Hill. and these guys are out and they're living life to the fullest and they're they got good jobs great careers and they're they're doing really well for themselves man and and people can change you know the thing is is not everyone changes but everyone can change and uh and when you see it you respect it i'm like man i love the fact that i see somebody change it just makes me feel so good yeah i want to tell you something i heard the other day and i'm just thinking of this because dion you're you're making this analogy to me now there was this guy that was talking about being in prison and this old man took him aside, and he was getting beaten up every day. He was trying to fit in, couldn't fit in. Just He was just fighting the whole system. And the old man said, I've been here a long time. And he said, this place is like a boiling pot of water. He said, so. He said, you put a carrot in that boiling pot of water. He said, what happens to the carrot? And Damon said, well, it gets soft. He said, okay, you can't get soft in here, right? He said, that's right. He said, all right. He said, I'll give you an egg. He said, I put that egg in the water. What's the water do to the egg? He said, it makes the egg hard. He said, but you don't want your heart, your, your heart to be hard in here. He said, you can't have that. He said, now I put a coffee bean in this water. He said, what happens 
And he said, I don't know what happens with a coffee bean. <laughs> he said, the coffee bean changes the water, turns it to coffee. He said, that's what you got to be in here. And the guy said, wow, it's pretty deep. That's what you did, Dion. You changed the water in prison. You changed yourself in prison. I mean, you became a coffee bean. And I heard that the other day, and I thought, man, I haven't ever heard that before. But I was looking for a time to, to, to use that <laughs> analogy, but that's what you did. You turned you turn to coffee bean, but you changed the water. The water didn't change you. Right. You know, and the thing is, man, we all want to live a better story, you know, and I wanted to live a better story. I knew that I had more to my story than, than what it was. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things I gained. And, and the thing is, you know, emotional intelligence is one of them. And I learned to be a great communicator, you know, and just like I told you earlier, emotional intelligence is, you know, how am I making you feel? And that's one thing that I want to be as a great communicator. I want to, um, I want to know how I make people feel. And, uh, you know, my story is still being written. I'm living, you know, I got a great career, you know, yeah. Here's, here's the thing, you know, people say, oh, man, life on the streets is hard, man. Life is what you make of it. So, you know, I got out. I did have help, you know. Let's talk about you getting out, though. I mean, oh, man. I mean let's talk about man. that. You're 16 years in prison. Uh, 17. 17, 17 yeah. years in prison. Yeah, well, I don't want to cut that short. Yeah. 17 <laughs> years in prison. Uh, walk us through the day. Man, I got out, you know, and, and, and my brother had sent me an iPhone 11 Pro Max. So, uh, you know, they didn't have, you know, Facebook and all that stuff, you know. None of that. Sure didn't have an iPhone 11 no. Pro Max. So I get this within It was BlackBerry World in that, <laughs> oh, back then. And when flip they, phones. Yeah, yeah, flip phones. So, so I get this phone within 30, 30 seconds. I wanted to break this phone and throw it because I couldn't figure it out. Figure out what was going on. Yeah, it's just yeah. a little screen. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was incredible. And, um, it's all you know, screen. Yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, it was technology. I'm still learning my phone. My phone. Things that make me phone is people who drive, <laughs> they can't drive in my cell phone. And um, you Where know, do you go from the parking lot? At, what happens? Well, you, you get out. It's, it's your brother what, picks you up. No, not my brother. It's my buddy Scott. And your buddy wife. Scott yeah. picks you up. Um, you get out of there fast. Say oh, goodbye yeah. to everybody. Yeah. You know, th that's one of the things, too, I think that um, I couldn't have been more excited about getting out. But... There was some couple of guys that I felt really bad that I was leaving behind because, you know, I knew they had so much more time. And there's that feeling, too, which is kind of odd. It's oh, like you're man. leaving somebody on the battlefield yeah. or something. But it didn't it clearly didn't override the feeling of the euphoria of, of getting <laughs> out. But tell, walk, walk me through that feeling because I don't I'm, I very rarely get to talk to somebody who's had, you know, 17 years in prison, walking out of prison. What? What's going through your mind? So imagine this, right? Believe it or not, it's raining. I okay. felt like that guy. You know, I felt like the guy in uh, Shawshank Redemption yeah. where it's raining. Literally, I had my box of stuff. I walked outside in the parking lot. It's, it's raining. I dropped my box. I put my hands up. And I was like, I'm free. I just started I screaming it. and yelling. And I was like, man, we need to get in this vehicle and leave as quick as possible in case they try to take <laughs> me back mind. You know what I mean? So we get in there, man. It's so surreal. I'm shaking. You know, and I'm just looking around everywhere. And I'm like, this is just can't be real. Yeah. And, you know, we get back to their house and you know i eat you know i wanted you know food <laughs> i wanted real food and uh, i eat real food instead we get back to their house and five days later man uh, i'm doing concrete working in springfield illinois making you know 53 dollars with your buddy oh yeah making 53 dollars an hour who else yeah. can do that you know what i mean yeah. however the job didn't last forever it's called prevailing wage mm -hmm. and um i was blessed i was be able to save up money my buddy scott gave me a car mm -hmm. you know he got me set in the right path man. gave you a he helping gave hand. Me a car, yeah and everything else and then once that job was over, I moved on to something else. It wasn't glamorous mm -hmm. at all. It mm -hmm. was termite pest control. Yeah. You know, but I was like, man, it's a great job. I get on company vehicle. I drive around. Yeah. I have the opportunity to make more money. And then I was still living paycheck to paycheck. You know what I mean? I just wasn't doing it. And my brother, he worked for Honda. 
in Florida and he was the F&I director. And I was like, dude, what's the car business like? You know, and he's like, man, you need to get into it. You know, so I went to a Cunis Auto Group in Quincy, Illinois. And I was like, when I went in there, man, I was like, check this out. I was like, this is what I can bring to the table, mm -hmm. you know? And they were like, they literally, I didn't even sign up paperwork. They're like, you're hired. <laughs> they gave me my <laughs> job. I was, like, I was like, check this out. Here's what I can bring to the table. Yeah. Somebody else doesn't, you know? Yeah. I mean, I didn't immediately tell them I've been in prison for mm -hmm. 17 years. I said, look, here's what I can bring to the table, you know? And they were like, man. They bought you. They they, 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 they invested in me, mm -hmm. man. They gave me my, my star. And I'm telling you right now, man, I'm so blessed in life now. You're you killing it there. Let's talk about how you're doing there. Oh, man. I, 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 you know, I, you know, I, I mean, I mean, it's such a blessing because it's not an easy job. There's long it's not, hours, it's an emotional roller coaster, yeah, 12 to 15 yeah, days. But yeah. I don't live paycheck to paycheck. You know, I'm living. That's why we're doing this today because it's your Tuesday off. It's my Tuesday yeah. off, man. I get Sundays and Tuesdays. Yeah. You know, and um, it, it's it's one of the best opportunities I've I've ever had. And you know, Kenan's Auto Group is 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 great. You know, they gave me my start, and uh, I'm so blessed to be able to work for a company that 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 treats you so good. They, you know, they they give you an opportunity to make unlimited potential you know it's, it's unlimited potential you know and um and i'm really blessed not to live paycheck to paycheck and i could pretty much you know uh do you're doing good i'm blessed man I'm yeah blessed, you're good you know? i mean i'm not rich but <laughs> i tell you i, I I'm, I'm rich in, in, in my heart you know in, in it, life but well, and the other thing is you've got a couple of grandkids right yeah man i got three of them let's I love talk them. about I that seen one last night i went to dakota's last night and I uh, got to see my little grandson. His name is little Junebug, man. He's the cutest little guy in the world. And then I got my other two grandkids that live in Quincy. So I got one daughter that lives in St. Louis, yeah. Dakota. And then my other daughter, Bree, she lives in Quincy. So she lives right near me. So I get to see her and my other two grandkids, you know, Bryce and Monroe. You know, Monroe, you know, she's a young little girl. She's just so incredible. And Bryson is too. And, and my daughter is probably one of the most incredible women I've ever met in my entire life. I love her so much. And, uh, you know, it feels good. I don't get to see her every day, you know, but at least, you know, once a week or whatever. Sometimes I'll just call her and be like, hey, you want to go to lunch with me? I'll take her out to lunch. And we just have a great time. And I'm pretty boring, though. You but you're I mean? enjoying the good stuff, Listen, you know? Yeah, here's the thing, man. You know what's crazy is I, I'm not a bar person. I don't do none of that type of stuff. It's just not for me. I just, yeah. I'm not comfortable around that environment, you know? So I get off work, I go home, cook me something to eat. I, I got a refrigerator full of steaks and whatever. And, Believe it or not, man, I got Sounds blessed. Good. I, you know, I wake up at five <laughs> in the morning, man, and I, I drink my coffee and I go downstairs. Hit it. I live above my gym. Okay. You know, I mean, obviously you can tell I work out. So yeah. uh, I just walk right downstairs. Super convenient, man. I go to my 24 hour gym and I go down there and I jog, you know, a mile to two miles and I work out and, you know, it makes me feel good. And then I just go to work. And I, I mean, there's very few people that wake up and go, I can't wait to go to work. Yeah. I'm more than people. But you like, love it. I love it, man. I can't wait to go to work. And I'm like, what's going to happen today? You know, and, uh, you know, life is, 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 is blessed and, and I'm just happy to be where I'm at, you know? Well, and you've even been able to go out and do some speaking. Uh, yes. Yes. I've been invited. recently. Yeah. Um, I've had a few people invite me to, you know, to be a guest speaker at different places. And my friend Leslie Harden, you know, um, she invited me to speak at her facility and I just did that last Wednesday. And I, I like to encourage and inspire people with a, with a story that, you know, that, that here's the thing that they can do better. You yes. know what I mean? You just got to set your mind to it. It's amazing what the mind and body is capable of, you know, and most people don't believe in themselves, man. You just got to believe in yourself. You know what? Here's the thing. When I was in prison, I planned this all. Mm -hmm. I planned you it saw all. the vision of I, it I, I saw i created a vision yeah you know what i mean even though i thought i'd die in there i still had another vision and yeah. i was like this is what's going to happen man and 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 and, and I, I planned it man and and i'm going to keep doing it and i'm going to keep doing great things and uh and i told people well, i call some people on on the phone and i was like you watch and see if and when i get out i'm gonna do great things and 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 people didn't really believe 
Well, I think, Dion, that's such a big tip to give to the listeners because uh, a goal with a plan, whether you're in prison or whether you're out of prison, it it keeps you focused on the good stuff. Even when you get knocked down, you know, I, I always say that, you know, not having a plan is like having a map, having a destination, and you – See, how does that analogy go? Ha- having a goal and a plan. So if you have one, you can drive right to it. It's like your map. Yeah. But if you don't, you can drive around all day long and run out of gas because you don't have a map to it. So your your whole thing that you did kept you alive in prison, kept you being you. And it's it's kind of going back to this child safety redemption deal. He, you know, he chipped you that wall yeah. every single night for 20 years because he had that Zewantaneo in his mind. That's where he was <laughs> going to get to. If he could just get through that wall and he got through that wall and that's what you did. You got, you just kept, you kept hitting that wall every night and you got free and now you're out, you got the good stuff. You say you're born, but you're living the life of, of realizing that, the things around you, the little things are the important things that, yeah. that you enjoy. Well, you know, just like I told you before, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, a guy in prison told me, he said, he said, we all have three men inside of us. He said, the man that we are, mm-hmm. the man that people see us as, and the man that we want to be, mm. you know, I'm still working on the man I want to be. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, I know my story is still being written and, um, I just, I'm just going for what I want. So Dion, out of all these things, because it's just such a cool story, how you've, you've survived it all. What do you think to impart to the audience, your takeaways of what you've gone through to them? You know, what it is, is, you know, you can't let your past really define who you are. You know, you can be anybody and anything you want to be, but you got to have the courage to go for it. You know, um, don't let people tell you, you know, if people say, man, you're a loser or if you're an addict or if you're whatever, don't let them tell you this is what you are. Cause that's going to be ingrained in your head. And that's what you're going to think you mm. are. And you think you can't get better, but you can, you're going to be whatever you want to be. You ain't no loser. You ain't no addict. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying you are what you, what you believe, but what you believe, you know, you know, you got, you, you can accomplish anything that you want to accomplish, man, but you got to believe in yourself. That's mm-hmm. the biggest thing, man. And most I people don't that. believe in themselves, you know, I love that. Well, we'll end it there because that's a great place to end it, Dion. You're a cool guy doing cool that. stuff. Uh, incredible story. Just, I mean, we've just met, but I'm really proud of how you've done and stepped through all this and, and the person you are. And what a great story for other people to see how that can work. Um, it's inspiring. It really is. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. So, Thanks for having me on your show. Oh, it's so so privileged and so proud to have you here. Um, for anybody out there still looking for a book to read, I wrote one, Nightmare Success. Um, love the likes. Share this thing as often as you can. It's a great way to uh, to get the audience to, to know what we're doing. Uh, leave a review on Apple. Uh, if you want to leave me a message on brentcasty.com, my website. As I always said when I was writing to people from Leavenworth, Stay strong and I'll do the same. Nightmare success in and out. Thanks for being here today. Thank you.